Hi, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. Today we have another new segment I'm trying out called Making Meaning. This segment is going to be focused on people who have experienced some sort of pain, loss, anything in their life that's caused them a hardship, and how they have worked to overcome that to make meaning out of their pain and to transform this world. Today, we have Barry Liner Grant on the show. Author, stylist, yogi, and self-proclaimed memory maker, Barry Liner Grant has an artful eye and clever knack for the new, next, and unexpected. For over two decades, Grant has established herself in the editorial and commercial markets, prepping, propping, and conceptualizing everything from well-curated trend stories to memorable interior design shoots. Leading architects, photographers, interior designers, and retailers to help personalize their design work often tap her. The sudden loss of Barry's mom in 1993 when her mom was only 50, has pushed Barry to recently transform how she's using her storytelling talents. The Memory Circle was created to bring stories of grief to light in order to sit shoulder to shoulder with those who've experienced loss so that no one is ever alone in the journey. Here is Barry's story about how she found this new way to use her talents. I remember once telling a therapist about my mom after I lost her. She died in 1993. She had an aneurysm on the beach, healthy, here one day and gone the next. And I remember telling a therapist a story about her loss and that somehow I didn't even believe that she was real in many ways because her presence was so powerful when she was here Mm -hmm. that I likened it to like some kind of fairy, like flew in, sprinkled her dust, um, selling, she was a realtor, selling houses to everybody and being this magical mom. Like it appeared that she, you know, spent her whole life talking to us and being such an important part of our lives. But then realizing that her life outside of being a mom was so big and powerful that uh, she started charities and events that continue to this day at a local theater called the Count Basie Theater and um, homeless shelters and women's shelters. And at the end, I just thought, how at 50, when you're gone at 50, could you make such a big life in such a short time that it almost felt like somehow she was like a fairy, like sprinkled in and sprinkled out, you know, like some magical thing from a Disney show. When Barry's mom passed away, it was almost like she planned what would be her perfect last day. Knowing how her last day transpired, um, she had just visited my sister in Denver. My sister had just started to work at a new firm right out of college in Denver, and she had set her up in an apartment. I had just started a public relations firm in Manhattan and was all settled into my job. She had scalped tickets to the US Open golf tournament for my stepfather and was kind of giddy about feeling like she did something like so 
not, you know, it was perfectly legal, but she just felt like it was so, I don't know. And it was very, very, very hot that day, uh, summer in New Jersey, and she was a, an amazing realtor. And she called, also a lover of bad words, and she said, I'm taking the, I'm taking the day off. And we had all been called, and we were sort of all in our places that day, and she drove herself to Sandy Hook and spent the day at the beach. And it was one of her favorite places to be, the beach. I think it was sand in her soul and salt water in her soul. You know, we grew up going like every weekend of our lives and spending the whole summers at the shore, the Jersey Shore, um, at a beach club. She grew up in New Jersey too, so she had that growing up life as well. Um, but she spent the day there and we wondered if she knew because we felt like we were all I love you'd on the phone before she went to the beach everybody was sort of tucked into their places had been visited we just felt like there, there must be part of you that knows whether it's your soul or your heart or in her beach bag that day we know that she went to the AMP and she bought two or three pounds, I can't even remember, of Santa Rosa plums, which were like her kryptonite. Once a summer, they came out, and they were the deep, dark, red-in-the-middle, juicy plums, mm -hmm. and she loved them, loved them. Well, there, there was a receipt for these many, many pounds, and none left. Um, a trashy novel. She was an, a voracious reader, and an amazing Scrabble player. She had the most beautiful vocabulary and was a writer for many years before she was a realtor. And her, you know, she'd buy a book instead of a magazine because she would go through the magazine too quickly. Mm -hmm. So they were like mm -hmm. trashy novel. Um, and she fell asleep in her chair, but appeared to be asleep very gently. And the sun sat. And there were a couple on the beach who came to her chair to wake her to be sure that she wasn't left sleeping last person on the beach. And from what we understand, the woman had some sort of medical background mm. and she knew that something was wrong with my mom when she couldn't wake her. After Barry's mom passed away, what Barry found out made her question if maybe on some level, her mom knew what she would have had ahead of her. That was summer, and fast forward to that, around that Christmas, and my stepfather and my sister and I met in Manhattan for lunch. And my stepfather revealed to us that he debated telling us the news that he was about to share, but that my mom had wanted her organs donated, which we knew. We came to the hospital, and he, she was kept on life support. She was brain dead, but mm -hmm. they kept her on life support. And the only thing we said, we knew she wanted her organs donated because my grandma died of emphysema and she always thought that if there could be a cure and she could be part of that, that would be what she would want. And we said everything but our eyes. For some reason, we just thought that was, that was her magic and she would need to see wherever she was going. Mm -hmm. And he said that he got a call that she had early stage liver cancer. 
that was found later. While searching for an answer, I thought, well, that would have been the most horrific death. Mm -hmm. I don't think she would have been much of a good mood fighter (laughs) in that. that. Um, Yeah, I just, I I couldn't see that ending. I, I just couldn't see that ending for her. And so I felt always that she was saved. Barry's relationship with others has always been so important to her. But it had been interesting once her mom passed away, the things she noticed that started to happen. Sometimes I feel like a a magnet that I always meet the girl in the room who's lost her mother my whole life or, you know, checking into a hotel or some language I hear in, in, in the way that somebody speaks, like they'll say something like, oh, my mother wore or was, mm-hmm. or and I hear with different ears mm-hmm. since then, mm-hmm. and connect with some women that are still friends of mine to this day, you know, strangers to friends, just because we don't get to tell our stories. We, we really don't. Barry contemplated what to do about the fact that she was now a motherless daughter. But she was unsure that she really wanted to make her voice known around this topic. For a long time, I didn't want to be defined by my grief or loss. And didn't want to be like wiping my sad all over people. Mm -hmm. Um, Or talking too much about my mom to people who didn't know how to process. Like, what what do you say after that? And I realized how that's, it's kind of, tragic that in itself is kind of sad and tragic because grief <laughs> grief shared is grief abated you know it's it your our stories need to be told to process them and to get them out and how beautiful also to share and celebrate a life and i've made my life's work i think now my children call my mom grandma ellen and my niece and nephew as well we call her grandma ellen and always have she knew none of the children While Barry never really thought about connecting with her mom through a medium, she did find small signs that perhaps her mother was still with them. We were once driving in New Jersey on Highway 35, and it was cold out, so it must have been fall or winter. We realized that the Carvel that we grew up going to was open, and I was in the car with my sister, and um, Emma, my oldest daughter, and I think her oldest daughter, Ryan, Mark might have been a baby, but we pulled over and got cones. And um, it was one of my mom's favorite places too. <laughs> we would often see her car pulled into the Carvel um, and loved that that was a part of her thing. Mm-hmm. She would go treat herself to a vanilla cone with sprinkles. Um, and so we took the kids. And while we were in the car, you know, chattering lips and enjoying our cones, we noticed there was a ladybug. And ever since that day, she sort of hung out in the car, and then we let her out of the car, started to show up on your birthday or a vacation, and we started to exchange pictures wherever we were that the ladybug would show up. Um, her sisters, a tax accountant, would travel uh, and see one on the curtains. My father would be, you know, fixing up his yard outside, uh, taking out the pots for the first time or whatever, and 
he looked down and had one on his shirt or his arm or something. Like everybody also started to believe and look. And I think the more you believe, the more you see the signs. Despite never having had a reading before, Barry's mom came through loud and clear about how she wants Barry's new work, The Memory Circle, to look. Until very recently, I never even had an interest in talking to a medium or doing any work around like getting a message from her. Um and she came through loud and clear recently. And this was really in the last couple of months. I saw two people and she came through loud and clear and had a lot of a lot to say. <laughs> um in fact different than in life. Right. And and interestingly, one of the things she said about the memory circle was don't make it sad. It was like the <laughs> final, the final word. Um which was fantastic advice, you know, because celebrating a life is really what we all should do mm-hmm. in the absence of a loved one. While Barry's early careers seem much different than what she is currently doing, it seems that this laid the groundwork for allowing her to use her mother's death as a platform for a new venture in her life. I've always been a storyteller of sorts. In my work, I'm a photo stylist, and I was a publicist for many years. As a publicist, of course, you're coming up with the story of a company, you know, that you can share with the media. Something compelling, something interesting, mm-hmm. what makes you different, and telling it, you know, in an, in an interesting way, what sets you apart. While the thought of what to do with your loved one's stuff after they pass would overwhelm some, including me, Barry had some interesting ideas about how to incorporate and tell the story of the people who you've lost so you never forget them. If you have a beautiful memory of a loved one, can we put it in a frame? Can we, you know, how can you repurpose things without, you know, without lots of elbow grease? Mm -hmm. I'm not a Martha Stewart, you know, I don't do a million steps to get you know, if I can do it, you can do it. That's always been my philosophy. <laughs> Questionable. <laughs> um, but, you know, it could be photographs in a bowl so that they're out and not in in a in an album where you're not enjoying them. It could be taking the photos off of your phone and printing them so that they're in frames that you could admire in your home. Um, it could be a piece of jewelry that you repurpose. It could be wearing your grandmother's charm bracelet. There are so many ways to keep memories alive. Um, so many ways. I mean, even making a pillow out of my mom's fur coat was a way that I could... I'm not going to wear the coat. It doesn't suit my lifestyle. <laughs> but what could we do with that to make it be something in my house that we like walk past and I think of her. So it's such a beautiful way of, of living with a memory. Shirts can be made into pillows. Ties can be repurposed. Um, even giving like grandpa's tie to your daughter to wear as a belt. It's like there's all kinds of fun ways to reimagine 
Um, and that's why I'm crazy about engraving things like marking dates on the back of charms or giving gifts on special occasions that become memories, mm-hmm. you know, even if they're instant heirlooms. Well, and it's interesting that you say that because recently my grandmother passed, both my grandmothers I knew for a very long time, one passed away eight years ago, nine years ago, one passed away just two years ago. And I took my grandmother's old pins to repurpose them for, I wanted a made into a pendant. And at the jeweler, they were like, this is all costume. We can't really do anything with this. And it, at that moment, it struck me the how much I wanted something to have of hers that I could pass on to my daughter so that she could have something. Not that we can't still have this, but... I'm not going to probably use one of her brooches. You could probably figure out a way for me to use one of her brooches. But, um, and so I really started thinking about the concept of just having pieces that are, they don't have to be fancy, but that are meaningful to you, that hold that meaning so that when you're gone, people can have that as well. But that's why there's the, the candy dish from your grandma's house. There's, you know, things that evoke being in their place. And again, it doesn't have to be fancy, but it is something that brings meaning. And I know we all have those. So think about the bowl of shells at my house from a vacation. I'm sure that that would mean something to my children. I used to sit cross-legged on my grandma's bed and she would sit on the bed with me and she would go through her charm bracelet, charm by charm by charm. She was an actress, and she would say, um, these high heel shoe charms were given to me as part of a dance, you know, a prize at a dance. And I knew the story of all the charms. And my mom was more doer than collector, mm-hmm. 100%. She used to say to us, girls, lean forward. We're running on luck. From all this, the memory circle was born a place for people to come together to share their memories of the people they've lost. Reading Clara Bidwell-Smith's book, her new book on the fifth stage of anxiety, fifth stage of grief being anxiety, um, and talking about writing your story. One of the chapters talks about writing your story and whether that's when you feel you want to talk to a loved one, the other writing element was write a letter. And again, I had never connected in that way with my mom. Um, and I wrote her a letter for the first time, like, dear mom, if you could see Emma, if you could see Quinn. I mean, I've never written and tears were pouring down my face and something resonated with me that we don't have a place or space to tell our stories Mm -hmm. and they need to be heard. Mm -hmm. And I imagined sitting shoulder to shoulder, much like we do at a campfire and have been for years in community circling up, right? Um, Finding places and ways to do that where we gather as a community and share our stories, our grief stories, and whether that's through writing exercise or sharing a recipe where we cook together, 
it will um every every and any incarnation of the ways that we can gather around um making memories new memories of grief and loss and and dealing and processing it in a way where I think we don't do a very good job in our society. We need to give it as much space as the celebrations, as the births, as the as the as the good times, mm-hmm. right? So instead of turning a, a sad day that uh, is the day of uh, the anniversary of a loss, maybe we can gather and share a beautiful story about that person to other people that understand loss. And that was really the impetus. And um, we've had a few events so far, and they've been beautiful and needed. Um, yoga classes for women who have lost their moms uh, right before Mother's Day. So taking a difficult, what might prove a difficult day, and just giving yourself space. Which we don't do enough of. No, period. no, no. And a lot of this came after I, I did my yoga teacher training, 200-hour teacher training, and as part of the certification, you sit in meditation for 30 minutes a day. When you give yourself the time and space to sit and quiet, I feel like your heart opens to some of these things. I just read recently that someone said that the final stage of grief is when you learn to share with others your experience. And so I feel like I'm there now. It's not that there still aren't hard days. It's not that there aren't days where I don't think of her as often. Mm -hmm. I feel like she's so much a part of me. I feel like I was never really looking for her. Like I feel like we were untethered by her loss, but so connected by the meaning that she made when she was here. I also realized how lucky that really was. It wasn't until she passed that I realized that other people didn't have the same relationship with their parents, mm-hmm. and especially with their mother, and that the gift of her giving me my sister and our relationship was so beautiful, and we're so close. Barry clearly understands what's so important in life. And that's love. But loving so deeply doesn't make loss any easier. The way we love, we love really hard in my family. And I think it makes a loss that much, not not more hard than anybody else. But when you love that much, mm-hmm. you, you lose that much. Mm-hmm. And I think part of why we're all here is to learn to love that much and that the scariness in that is that it does make the pain different. I don't want to say harder because I think when people have complicated relationships with their loved ones and their loved ones pass, that's a whole different animal uh, to deal with. But to, to love deeply means to hurt deeply when you lose. And it's the risk you run being human, but you get to experience that love, which is amazing. And I have learned through other people sharing that there are difficulties and traumatic relationships. Um, one woman reached out to me and said that her mom had suffered mental illness her whole growing up life. And so to her, she has a mother loss with how she's grown up. Mm-hmm. And could she come to yeah. the memory circle? Mm-hmm. And then um, 
in writing exercises through the yoga Mother's Day class, the same thing that we also have to learn to be open to all of the kinds of losses that we're experiencing. Because for some people, there are stories untold, there are relationships that just were less than perfect. And we live with some guilt. And so the writing and the talking and all helps us process all of that. And you are a therapist and I am not. So none of it is, it's a sharing as a community. It's not a sharing as any part of me that is trained, Mm -hmm. but, but just from experience. And every time I've become vulnerable from experience and shared my story with someone else, I feel like it allows them to open up about their story. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is you're fostering authenticity, vulnerability, and connection. And so much growth happens through that. And group work is hard work. We were talking before I hit record about people can go and tell their story in an individual therapy office, but to have it witnessed, there's something about the witnessing of it from other people that makes it really come alive. And to have other people who aren't your therapist, who you aren't paying to, and people say, you you know, I pay you to, you know, to say these things. I mean, it shouldn't feel that way. It should really feel authentic. But, um, but to have that real authentic interaction and that genuine connection when you know that someone heard you, someone saw you. Heard and seen. It's really all we want in mm-hmm. life, right? Mm-hmm. Heard and seen and loved. Um, but the stories that were shared in the memory circle, I think also allowed us to see each other as so much more alike than different. There we were strangers as we walked into the room. And I think we left connected by, not just by loss, but just by the permission by humanness. to share. We were all just humans trying to do our best. And it made us all realize that when we come in contact with someone else, they have a big, heavy backpack that they're carrying around. Heavy, heavy. We, we, we all carry something. And I think when you meet someone and you know that, it opened all of our eyes there was there was sickness there was suicide there were elder people younger people a boy who was 10 um the the amount of loss in the room was really really something mm-hmm. but to see the hugs at the close and the sharing of dimes and pennies and four, four, four on the clock. And I see this and I notice this and asking for, you know, parking spots. And, um, it just opened up everybody's eyes to one another, that it's not just your, you're not just living in your grief Mm -hmm. by sharing. I think you open up knowing I see you and I see that we are so much the same. Mm-hmm. And that maybe I'll ask you when we meet, uh, even a stranger, when I meet a stranger, when you say, how are you? And really look them in the eye and really want to know, you may find out something from them that may help, right? Mm-hmm. Just a smile sometimes. 
You had a great guest on. Her name evades me at the moment, but she was talking about the actual, um, how we emanate um, the electromagnetic waves that we emanate from our heart by just feeling grateful. Karen Newell. Yes, Karen Newell. Just feeling grateful. So, so even moving to that place and walking that walk, I feel like that's what we're here to do. And it's small. Like I said, I didn't go to school for this. I just feel like I opened my door Mm -hmm. to let the community in. Barry's memory circle is growing and there are opportunities to get involved both in person and online. Um, There's a website, thememorycircle.com, where I share all the events, um, any time I've been interviewed, or um, also some blog posts that might resonate um, at the memory circle on Instagram, um, where little little tidbits might inspire. And and again, where you'll find community. Mm-hmm. I, I see people exchanging comments on Instagram and it, you know, it lights me up inside. Um, all the events will be on there. We have one on May 18 um, at Deb Lilly Loft, a beautiful, beautiful space in the city. And I'm being joined by Cindy Lufrid. She's a medium. Um, her company is called Revealing Soul. And um, she's been at events in the past. And we do a group reading and a meditation. And and we share. We open up to share. You know, even saying the name aloud of the person that you've lost. And some people just shared that way. Mm-hmm. is so beautiful. So beautiful. Mm -hmm. Barry also has an in-person opportunity for daughters who have lost their mothers. May 11th with uh, my dear uh, teacher and friend, Amy Owen. We co-teach. She lost her mom as well. Mm -hmm. And we teach the day before Mother's Day on May 11. And what's kind of beautiful about that, it's like the space to have the day where you remember your mother on the 11th and then can go have your mother's day with your family. Cause it's, it's a, it's a bittersweet day for many who don't, even as a mom, I, I find it difficult sometimes. Sometimes I want to be alone and quiet and my kids want to celebrate the day, mm-hmm. celebrate me. And, you know, both, it's kind of nice cause both can exist this way. Mm-hmm. And both of those will be on your Instagram page. And both of those are in Chicago because we're in Chicago. So if you want to check that out, um, sign up. That would be great. And I know you're going to have more events. A big thank you to Barry Liner Grant for coming over to my place and spending some time talking about the work that she's doing. And if you have a story that you want to share about how you've made meaning in your life, something that's inspirational, something that might help others, please reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. That's the best place to find me or or via email at Robbins at gmail.com. And thanks again for tuning in to Life, Death, and the Space Between. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find Life, Death, and the Space Between 
and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.